0: Bibles out and go to Lamentations chapter 4. You may be seated. Lamentations chapter 4, good to see you out on a Wednesday night, and uh, good to see some more of our folks coming back online after, <clears throat> excuse me, being a gone a little time with the virus and complications because of that, and looks like we're right heavy tonight, There's a lot, good crowd on the right side, I guess it's better to be on the right side than the wrong side, right? Uh, no, it just depends on your perspective, because if you're looking this way, you're on the right side if you're over there, okay? So I tried to please everybody with that illustration, and hope you're not mad, but it is good to see you tonight, I hope you've had a good week, and hope you've been looking forward to being here tonight it's just good to be back in God's house and it always is a blessing to me to see God's people come out especially with all that we've got going on right now that could easily distract us and uh, I know that I'm thankful to be able to go to the word of God and find what we need it's always in there I tell my wife all the time uh, you know i just I do have boxes of sermons I guess I do have that and it was, I guess it would be easy just to go to the box and pull something out of the box for many years of preaching uh, but there's nothing like just going to the word of God and finding what he wants and uh, it's kind of like an Easter egg hunt all over again you didn't know the word of God and you find the truths that you need And I need them just as much as anybody and the one tonight I believe is gonna be a tremendous blessing to us if we'll just open our hearts to receive it And so to uh, to keep from wasting any more time, let's jump into it If we could lamentations chapter number four and tonight we're going to pick up uh, In verse number six verse number six now, we've been going through the Book of Lamentations on our way to Chapter 5, where our theme verse is at. Our theme verse obviously having to do with renewal, and that's what we're working toward. But before they could get to that place of renewal, they had some lessons to learn along the way. And we've been slowly walking through the Book of Lamentations, not verse by verse, because several of the verses are repetitive, and the themes are repetitive. And uh, I've jokingly told you that uh, I'm running out of L's. I'm so thankful we are in Chapter 4, uh, because i I'm running out of L's. I have used my thesaurus religiously, trying to find some words without having to stretch them too far, okay? Uh, You know, alliteration works as long as you don't have to reach too far to find the next L. And uh, so Brother Bo comes up to me the other night after I preached last Wednesday night, and he says, okay, are you going to verse number three next week? And if you'll notice right there in the beginning of verse number three, it says, even the sea monsters... Brother Bo says, I already know what next week's L is going to be. I says, what? He says, the lesson of Loch Ness. Well, I hate to disappoint you, and I hate to disappoint Bo, but that is not the lesson tonight. We're going to go on down to verse number six. There's a lot of things we could cover, verse two through five, but the Lord led us to go on down to verse number six, and we'll read this together tonight. The Bible says, for the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom. Think about that tonight. Let that settle in just a little bit that was overthrown as in a moment And no hands Stayed on her. Let's pray together and let's ask the Lord to help us unfold this tonight. Father Thank you again for the privilege of coming. Thank you Lord for preserving this lesson for us how timely it is Lord, I pray that we would allow your word always to be extremely relevant for the moment that you've sent it to us Help us receive from it tonight and Lord help us respond in a way that's pleasing to you Help us be changed by it for it's in Jesus name amen as we look at this verse tonight and as I was praying about how far the Lord wanted us to go as far as this lesson and the time that we have I I don't want to keep you any later than the Lord have us to uh, particularly because my wife told me on the way out the door she says okay I have nursery tonight Uh, try not to keep it too long okay Uh, and so I guess being your wife she feels like she might be able to slip that in there and get away with it so I'm gonna do my best not to keep you too long and we're only gonna look at one verse tonight but in this one verse there is a very very familiar fault That all of us will recognize in our own life if we'll just be willing to acknowledge that. Now, I've told you many times, and I'll not take the time to repeat what Lamentations is all about, but what God wants us to do tonight is to look in that one verse as with the rest of the Word of God, and He wants us to see ourselves, okay? Every time that we open the Word of God God wants us to look into there And to see ourselves And be changed by it, okay I think all of us have probably seen those Ad council public service announcements Uh, There's one going around right now About a man who smoked his whole life And didn't realize the dangers that smoking Caused, you know, he thought it was only to his lungs And he pulls his shirt up on the commercial And shows the scar from Open heart surgery because of the clogged Arteries that he had all of those years Smoking, Uh, I think we've seen the ones with Drunk drivers and the wrecked cars that are there And they're trying to show you something Why? Those ads are not going to help those people The man who has the scar From here to here because he smoked all of those years Look, that ad is not going to help him The car that's wrecked And the ones who lost their lives Drunk driving, that ad is not going to help them What is their hope? Their hope is that you and I will watch those commercials And we will see ourselves And picture ourselves there and that we will be changed by what we see. Is that not why they do that? That's exactly why they do that. Now, this is why God preserved the book of Lamentations for us. He wants us to read this. And he wants us to see ourselves and make the change. Why? James chapter number 1, verse 23 and twenty-five, or through 25. The Bible says, for if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer. Here's what he's like, the Bible says. He's like a man who goes and looks in a mirror. And as soon as he turns away, he forgets what he saw. All right now look it didn't say he wants to forget what he saw I do that all the time I look into the mirror and I look I look you're looking at me right now That was a perfect time to amen all right you go and you look in the mirror and you forget what you saw in the mirror Now the older I get the more I forget things but I don't normally forget what I see that's in the mirror But the Bible says if you look into the Word of God and you see in the Word of God And yet you turn from it and aren't changed by it that's who you're like You looked in there, and you didn't get the message out of it. But what does it go on to say? But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of this work, then this man shall be blessed in his deed. What happens? He looks into the Word, he sees himself, and he's changed by what he sees. Now, God wants us to be changed by that one verse that we read tonight. Now, look, you're not going to have to look far into the mirror, Okay, you're not going to have to look far because this is a very familiar fault that we all have and that God recognizes in our lives. So what is it? Well, if you've read your Bible from Genesis all the way to Lamentations, you're going to find that the people of God have an up and down relationship with God all throughout their existence. Okay, Uh, I like to phrase it as revival and retreat revival and retreat They draw close to God. uh, They drift further away. They draw close to God. They drift further away It's kind of an on-and-off relationship. You ever know people that have those You know kind of an on-and-off relationship They're on and you say hey, man, how things going? Well, we're not together right now And you talk to them two weeks later They're back together again and back and forth back and forth That's the way that Israel had a relationship with God God's people have always been prone to that and can I tell you i'm one of god's people I'm prone to wonder lord. I feel it. Aren't you? Let's be honest with each other tonight Look, we're the wednesday night crowd. Those of you watching shake your head, too Okay, we're the wednesday night crowd We can be honest with each other that we are prone to wonder and we have times that we're close to god And times that we're further away from god It's almost like they say out there in hollywood from what I hear on television. Don't call me i'll call you All right, it's not like they had written god off But they wanted a relationship with God that God, when we need you, we'll call you, but not until then. And oftentimes, they would get off into sin, judgment would come, and they would finally turn and turn back to God. Now, oftentimes, this is the way it is in our life, isn't it? We get close to God, we get further away from God. We're not truly living back in heathenism, but we're also truly not living in holiness. We're somewhere between, aren't we? I call it the happy place between heathenism and holiness. That's where we like to live. It's just a happy little place where we're not back there where we used to be. Thank God we're not what we used to be, but we're definitely not what we ought to be. Now watch. That's a place we will all pass through as we grow. All right? That's a place we're all going to go through, but you, sh- you shouldn't set up shop there. I told the kids this morning, I got to say this real quick I told the kids this morning in chapel, I was preaching in there I have to preach with a cough drop in my mouth because uh, I cough ever since I had that stinking virus okay so I have to preach with one of those in my mouth and I think that's why this section is cleaned out I guess miss Martin you didn't get the memo because man it has really created my wife said the other day I couldn't pay attention because you had this spitball on your mouth the whole time it's the cough drops okay and I just saw a big one fly toward you guys so just kind of watch your eyes while we're going down through this okay try to pay attention if you can even the spitballs are flying i told the kids every time i open my bible if you hear me turn my page tonight and it sounds like it's stuck together it's not because i don't read it all right it's because of cough drop spit is gluing my pages together but it's better than coughing okay now back to the subject here we go most of the time we settle down in that midway place don't we We settle down there. God never intended us to stop halfway onto who he was calling us to be. God God called us to continue in that growth process. But a lot of times, we settle down in that middle area, not fully committed to God. That was Israel's problem. They never fully committed to God, just like you and I. We don't fully commit to God. I told my wife, I was so proud today. uh, A lot of times, I will read short stories to try to find a good illustration to bring the point, and I couldn't find one. And so I started Googling how many towns in America actually have the word middle in their name. I said, there's got to be towns who have the word middle in their name. The very first one that came up was Middleburg, Virginia. It's a town I've never been there, but it's called Middleburg, Virginia. And I was curious how Middleburg got its name. You know, you're kind of like a rabbit dog and you're on the scent of something. You're like, I think I know, I bet I know how it got its name. Middleburg is a town that is situated between Alexandria and Winchester, Virginia. It was a stopping off point to where people were on their way from Alexandria to Virginia and the journey was long and they would stop off in this area called Middleburg on their way because they were weary and they were tired on their way to Winchester. But it wasn't a place for them to live. And finally somebody said, you know, one day instead of going on to Winchester, we're just going to settle down here in Middleburg. And they began living there and they stayed there. Now, folks, I want to tell you something tonight. It's a wearisome journey from heathenism to holiness, isn't it? It's a long journey, and we get tired. It's not easy. It's hard. And the temptation is going to be to settle down in that middle area and not be fully committed to God. You know what? I, I know I'm not what I ought to be, and I'm not committed to God, but look, I'm not where I used to be. I'm just somewhere in the middle. And I want you to know tonight, God despises that. God despises Christians that are not committed, and what the Bible calls Middleburg is lukewarm or lukewarm God's people never would fully commit to God. They were on again, off again. They were in, they were out, they were back and forth And finally, we see God judging them very harshly in verse number six. Now, let me tell you why this is extremely relevant to us In Revelation chapter 3, the Bible describes the church age That will wait on the coming of Christ And the Bible describes the church at Laodicea as a lukewarm church A Middleburg church A church that's not fully committed A church that is halfway between their former heathenism And the holiness that God called them to That commitment to God that he's calling us to God says the church that I'm going to find when I come back That church of Laodicea is going to be a lukewarm or an uncommitted church They're somewhere in the middle They're in that middle ground And folks, tonight in verse number six, we're going to see the lesson of the lukewarm. The lesson of the lukewarm. And we're going to see what happens when we're not committed to God. Now, here's the good news. As far as I know, Jesus hasn't come back yet, right? hope not. Or all of us were wrong. No, he, he hasn't. For those of you looking panicked, he hasn't, okay? I know he hasn't. That means we still have time to get out of Middleburg. We still have time to get on our journey to where God's calling us, and that's to a more committed life to him. And what we're going to see in verse number six is really the character of the uncommitted, okay? I want to show you how you can know whether or not you're one of those Christians living lukewarm, one of those Christians living in Middleburg, and there's some character traits in verse number three that describes what it's like when we're that lukewarm Christian and we're not committed to God. So how do we know that? Let's go straight to verse number six. I'm sorry, verse number six. The Bible says, for the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of what? My people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom that was overthrown as in a moment and no hands stayed on her. Now, notice what God calls them, all right? If I'm God, I would have disowned them. You know, those weird strangers over there, I don't know who they are. No, he says, verse number six, the iniquity of the daughter of my people. God says, these are my people. But notice, if you will, even though they still bear his name, watch closely. They aren't living by what they're known for. And they're not living in a manner that's related to what they're known for. So they're living in iniquity. He says, my people, these are my people, and yet they are living contrary to what they're called. Now this is important tonight, number one. The first character trait of the uncommitted is this, they bore the name, but not the nature, all right? They bore the name, what was the name? My people, they bore the name, they had the label, they had the name tag, they probably, ha- I don't know if you have bumper stickers on camels, but they probably had one. Hey, they got the name, we are his people, but notice, Even though they had the name, they did not have the nature of God. They did not bear the nature of the one whose name they were carrying. Now, this is important. Their situation was what? Iniquity and destruction. That was their situation. What was their declaration? We're the people of God. And they did not line up Can I tell you tonight, one of the first ways you can know that you've become a lukewarm Christian and that you've settled down in Middleburg and you're not fully committed to God, it's when the name that you profess does not line up with the life that you're living and the situation that you're in. Now, look, it would be so hard for them to convince anybody that they were the people of Almighty God of heaven and earth. Look, you're sitting in iniquity and sin, You're sitting in destruction and ruin. How could you convince anybody that you're the people of Almighty God that created heaven and earth? You're going to have a hard sell on that one. That's like me trying to sell you on the fact that I really did want to play in the NBA. And everybody always laughs when I say that. That's a hard sell. Why? You're a six-foot-tall white guy. You don't stand a chance. All right? I would have a hard time convincing you of that. And they're going to have a hard time of convincing anybody that they're the people of God. Why? Because of their situation doesn't match their declaration. Now, can I ask you something tonight? Does your situation match your declaration? You say, what do you mean? Does your life reflect somebody that's a person of God that belongs to God? Sooner or later, the world's going to compare the two. And the world's going to say, look, I hear what you're saying. I see your bumper sticker. I see your T-shirt. I see your bracelet. I see all of that stuff. But your situation doesn't line up with someone who bears the name of Christian, root word being Christ and Christ-like. Folks, I fear tonight that we may have become lukewarm and not even realized it. Why? Because we don't reflect the one that saved us and that we call Father. I heard a preacher years ago, I can't remember who it was to be sure, but it was one of the old preachers my dad took me to hear when I was a kid. And the preacher was talking about coming out of a restaurant one time, and a drunk staggered up to him. I'm talking about slobbering drunk, staggered up to him when he recognized who he was. He says, you're the preacher. He goes, yeah, I'm the preacher. He said, do you remember me? And he says, no, I don't remember you. He says, Don't you remember years ago in a church and all this? You're the guy that saved me. And he goes, I forget what preacher it was. He says, Yep, you look like something I saved. What a truth. Can I ask you, do you look like something that God saved? Does your life look like something that God saved? Does your situation, look, we're not going to be perfect. Please don't come to me after the service and say, look, nobody's perfect. I've heard it and I believe it. Why? Because I know the guy that I see in the mirror and try to forget when I walk away. All right? I know nobody's perfect. But sooner or later, we've got to make our way from heathenism to holiness without camping out in Middleburg. Why? That's lukewarm to God, and what we're reading about is what happens when you're not fully committed to God. God doesn't tolerate it as much as we do. Lukewarm, remember this. Lukewarm is when Christian is your label, but it's not your life. That's what lukewarm is. When it's your label, but it's not your life. I'll give you an example. Uh, Brother Batto is always bringing me stuff. Where's Brother Batto at? Is he here? I thought I saw him. Good to have you back, Brother Bado. Brother Batto, I know, look, if anybody else gets mad at me and charges the pulpit, Brother is going to throw his body in front of it to save mine. Brother has always bring me some goodies to my office, and the other day on my desk, I have a can of sun-dried Mississippi possum. All right, there on my desk, it says on the back, contents, pure possum, flattened by Marcel, driving a pulpwood truck just outside hot, hot coffee, Mississippi, guaranteed sun-cured for one day, $1.89. Serving suggestions goes best with turnip green, sweet potatoes, an RC Cola, and a moon pie. Little can here, you know. And I got it back there on my shelf for emergencies, man. Look, things keep going the way they're going. It's probably worth about 500 bucks here in a few days, okay? So just, uh, I need to start locking my office, all right? Put that up there. Brother Bado knew this is not possum meat. I know this is not possum meat. I know that all somebody did was buy a can of potted meat, which I love. Mayonnaise, whoo, wonder bread. Mm. I know all somebody did was they took the label off the potted meat and slapped another label on it, but nothing has changed on the inside. It's just a label. You pop open this can, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find what was there all along. You're going to find potted meat. Now, I don't know what potted meat is. I don't know if anybody does. It's like a trade secret. All potted meat is is a ground-up hot dog. Did you know that? That's all it is. That's all it is. And then bologna is just flattened-out potted meat. That's all it is. It's just different shapes, okay? And they they sell it to us for more and make more money off of that. But you know, a lot of us are just like this. Nothing ever changed on the inside. We just changed the label on the outside. And the, world, the world's looking at our label and then they see what's on the inside because what's on the inside eventually comes out and they're saying, watch this, your declaration doesn't match your situation. Why? Oftentimes, either we've never been genuinely born again or number two, we're lukewarm. We're lukewarm. We're living somewhere in, in Middleburg. A Christian that's committed to God, listen, will reflect the character of God. You can't be committed to God without the character of God coming out in your life. You can't. Look, remember Moses? Moses goes up there and spends quality time with God. Remember, he didn't just go up there and have a God is good, God is great prayer and come on down. No, he had a committed time with God. And Moses is upon that mountain spending quality time with God. And when he came down, what happened? The Bible says his face shone. What happened? He had spent committed time with God, and he reflected the character of God. And I want you to understand, you'll not have to to work hard to convince people about what you believe when they can see it in your life. Your situation sooner or later has got to line up with your declaration, or else you're just another lukewarm Christian. And look, God says the church that's going to greet Christ at his coming is going to be a lukewarm Middleburg church. Now, I pray it's not central. I pray God finds people at central marching their way toward what he's calling us to be, striving, listen, to be a more committed church to him. We're not going to be perfect, but you should keep going and not put down roots in Middleburg. If you're at this middle place, somewhere between where you were and where you're called to be, and you've settled down and become satisfied, you're lukewarm. You're lukewarm. By God's grace, we have time to change that. Oftentimes, we talk about Daniel you think about the character of Daniel. His character was known so well that even his enemies couldn't find anything against him. That's how well-known his character was. They had to make something up and lie about him uh, because he kept praying That was the only thing they could find. Why? Because Daniel was committed to God, and his life reflected the character of God. Folks, look, don't tell me how committed you are to God. If nowhere in your life, the character of God doesn't start to show up somewhere. It showed up in Daniel. How? It showed up in his commitment. I'll ask you a quick question. I'm going to move on to number two. What is it about your life that says something about him? Think about that. Let that sink in just for a second. What is it about your life that says something about him? What can people look to in your life? I'm talking about your life, how you talk, your countenance. The places you do go, the places you don't—what about your life? Says something about Him, isn't that what it's all about? That something that we people can tell—we spend time with God, like Moses. People can tell by the stands that we take against and for things, like Daniel, that they could tell there's something about that guy, and that something is Jesus. What about our lives tonight? Say something about Him. Acts chapter 11, the Bible tells us in verse 26, the disciples were first called Christians where? At Antioch. One day I'm going to ask them, what was it? What was it? They didn't call them heathens at Antioch. They called them Christians. Why? There was something about them that said something about him. You get it? There's, you know, people. Well, look, look. It's all on the inside. It's all on the inside. Yeah, but out of the abundance of the heart, and the mouth speaks. You get some more of it on the inside. It's going to overflow on the outside. It really will. Look. Now, look. Let's not clean up the outside of the sepulcher and leave the potted meat in the can. Look. Let's not just change the label. Let's make sure there's so much in here it overflows out here. And people say there's something about them that reminds me something about him. Touchdown. That's it. That's what we should be living for that people look at our life and how we're raising our children and how we talk and how we live and say There's something about them that reminds me something about him But you're never going to find that compliment in your Christian life if you're living in Middleburg You've got to get out of that lukewarm state or else. I really believe you're what I used to call a bandwagon believer You're a bandwagon believer brother Richard too invited me to his house uh, one night for dinner and I know Brother Richard's an Alabama fan, and, uh, but that was okay, you know, I don't want that getting get in the way of my relationship with somebody, especially if it involves food. And uh, I've seen the sticker on his truck, but I just didn't know how serious of a fan Brother Richard was, right, you know. I mean, who wouldn't want to pull for Alabama? They win all the time, okay? LSU comes out of the basement every 10 years, we win one, we go back in the basement for nine years. It's just, look, we're consistent, all right? They're just more consistent more often. And he had the sticker. Look, I have to tell the truth behind the pulpit. Okay, Alabama's good. I knew he had the sticker on his truck, but I didn't know how deep his fandom went. Till I get to his house, he's got an Alabama thing. I believe it's hanging under on the, on the carport on the wall. His barbecue grill is Alabama. I said, "Look, this guy. Look, he just doesn't have the sticker. He's got the stuff to back it up." Now you think about that. Oftentimes, we're more proud of the sticker. Hey, I got the sticker. I go to Central Baptist Church. Look, I got to tell you a story. Today, I was coming up down south on 49. This guy was going slow in the fast lane. Oh, I was so mad. And I just to and pull out. And then, you know, how you show them your disgust is you cut back close in front of them. Anybody else like that? All right, maybe not. Maybe not. I'll be honest with you. I have to be honest behind the pulpit. I guess you don't have to be honest in the pew. Do you know what stopped me? The Central Baptist sticker on the back of my car. And then I was right up here at the hardware store. They're going to see me turn into the church. And they're going to think, man, wow, he's got that cross on the back of his car. But he sure don't act like it. You see, his situation isn't matching his declaration. Oftentimes, we are the worst enemies to our own faith. Well, "Well, the government's going to try to shut us down. Can I tell you, we will shut ourselves down before the government ever does. We will shut ourselves. They So, what do you mean by that? I'm not saying shut the doors. We will shut the power off. Why? Because our lives don't match up with our testimony. Why? Because we're like them. Notice what it says, verse 6 again. For the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people. How sad that my people, those two words, are in the same sentence as iniquity. How sad. How sad. Why? Number one, they bore the name but did not bore, bear the nature. That's number one. Number two, keep reading verse 6. The Bible says, for the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people. Now watch these next two words. This is flabbergasting. The punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater, is greater. Now watch close what God's about to do. God's about to give you his perspective on sin. Now look, it's important you have God's perspective on things. Why? Because we're going to be judged by him. You know it's kind of it's kind of important that you know what's going to be on the test when you get up there And I'm going to tell you you're gonna be judged by God's perspective not ours That's why you better live by God's perspective not ours because mine really doesn't matter in the end You can live how brother Jeremiah says you ought to live and hopefully it lines up with the Bible But eventually I'm going to be wrong but God's word is truth And what God says is true and you're going to see it again one day Therefore you need to view things the way he views things now watch his perspective on sin For the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom. Do you know your perspective on sin says a lot about your commitment to God? Please think about that. Your perspective on sin and how strict or how loose you view sin says a lot about how committed you are to God. If you're not very committed to God, you're going to view sin loosely. Ah, those little gray areas. I think that's all we have anymore is gray areas I'm trying to listen I'm trying to find right and wrong and all we're living in is these gray. look there's not as many gray areas as we think there are we get to heaven we're gonna be surprised how few there were but we view that from our perspective but in God's perspective he compares what to Sodom now it's important to understand why he's using Sodom Sodom is a lot like a measuring stick for immorality I, I counted them up. 46 times you'll find the word Sodom mentioned in the Bible. 46. What was amazing to me today, well over half of the times Sodom is mentioned, it's referring to an example and not a place. Sodom is more used in the Bible as an example rather than a geographic location. Why? It's kind of a measuring stick for immorality. But notice, God says, He judged His people what? Verse 6 says, Greater Greater Now this is important to see tonight Obviously their sin was more serious than they realized They're looking at not being committed to God In and out, on and off, right? They're just looking at it, this is not that big a deal But God judged their sin Greater Than Sodom and Gomorrah Now this is important tonight I want to show you the second character trait of the uncommitted The second character trait of the uncommitted is their sin became less significant Their sin became less significant. I Want you to think about this perspective tonight. I last night with Michael and Ms. Evelyn invited us over their house Uh, They had a Sunday school class get together and went to fellowship with them just a little bit of course there was food So we we were, were sure to go and I had a good time with them and this verse Hit me so hard in my study this week. I read it to them last night I said you have to hear this first Because, you know, how often do we think Sodom and Gomorrah, the worst of the worst, the baddest of the bad? I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah, I mean, good night, immoral, full rebellion against God, and we're thinking to ourselves, whoo, that's bad. And yet God judged his people and their sin greater. Now, here's what happens. Oftentimes we view our sin and lack of a commitment to God as not that big a deal Look, go to church, maybe, yeah Look, I went Sunday, so I got my time card stamped You know, I might go Sunday night, I might go Wednesday You know, I might read my Bible It's not that big a deal Look, can we be honest? Oftentimes we view our lack of commitment to God as not a big deal I might go soul winning today Or I might give somebody a track Or, you know, I might, I might It's not that big a deal to us But look at the magnitude of how God judged his people's on again, off again relationship, in and out relationship with God. He viewed it greater as the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. What happened in Revelation chapter 3, by the way, following up on the introduction? Verse 16. So then, because thou art lukewarm, notice God's perspective. God says, I see you, I know who you are, you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. It's almost like it's the same God of the Old Testament in the New Testament, isn't it? It is, by the way. He wouldn't tolerate them not being committed to him. And now he says in Revelation chapter 3, to that church... That church that's not committed, they're, they're, they're hot, cold, they're lukewarm. I'm going to spew them out of my mouth. God didn't tolerate the Old Testament. He still doesn't tolerate it in the New Testament. And when he compares us worse than Sodom, it shows us that when we're lukewarm, our sin becomes less significant. It's not that big a deal, but it's still that big a deal to God. I told my wife today, here's a good definition of the word lukewarm. Lukewarm is when we start living by what's accepted Rather than but by what's expected. Now think about that, okay? Lukewarm is we get to the place where we're living by what's accepted, A-C-C, accepted, what the world accepts. We say, you know what? The world says, look, a man and a man being married, a woman and a woman being married, that's okay now. It's okay now. Boy, have, has wickedness grown exponentially in the last 20 years. I told my daughter that there was a liberal president by the name of Bill Clinton who had a policy on that called Don't Ask, Don't Tell. I said, imagine that, a liberal politician who had that, and now everything's open and everything's out, and it's okay now, but it's not okay to God. But here's what happens to Christians. Look, look at the numbers. Christians are increasingly accepting of it. Why? Because we're lukewarm. We're lukewarm. We've camped out in Middleburg. We're somewhere between being a heathen and being holy, and we're okay with that. Why? Because we're living by what's accepted rather than by what is expected. Now, I want to tell you something. We stand before God. What he expects is what he expects. But listen to Ezekiel chapter 8, and tell me if this doesn't sound familiar as another preacher tried to get this point home. Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 17, then he then said, he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? He says it's a light thing to them to commit abominations. Do you know what abomination is? That's really bad stuff. Really bad stuff. We're there in America where we've accepted abominations, and the Bible says, is it a light thing? It's a light thing to us. Why? Because the world's accepted it, and so we start accepting it. Look, I'm not saying being mean or cruel to anybody. Sin is sin. There's an answer to sin. There's a savior for sin, and we've got to take the answer to the lost. But as long as you're viewing sin lightly and less significantly, can I tell you what's going to happen? We're going to become that powerless church of Laodicea the power of God, our candlestick is going to be gone. The trump of God's going to sound, and He's going to find us that church that He wants to spew out of His mouth. Why? Because sin became less significant. That town of Middleburg is, is interesting. I, I went to their town website and I read up on their history how they became the town of Middleburg, Virginia. And what was amazing was it was literally not even a town, it was just a spot. That they stopped off at because it was halfway between the two. You couldn't make the journey in one day. So they would stop off there. They would get refreshed and move on. Now, I want to sympathize with you a little bit tonight. I understand that the journey from there to there is long and it's hard and it's wearisome and it's not easy. And you want to stop, don't you? The further down this road you get toward becoming what God wants you to be and being committed to God, the harder the climb gets. And the story said this. I I cut and pasted the words. It said it was a stopping off place for the weary traveler. A stopping off place for the weary traveler. Now I want you to know the devil is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful travel agent. You're traveling from where God saved you from, being a heathen, You're on the road trying to become more holy, trying to become more like Christ, trying to be more committed. You're failing along the way, but you're keeping moving. And all of a sudden, you get to that Middleburg area. You're like, man, this is hard. That's why the Christian life is called a race and a fight and a war. It's not easy. It's a work. And you get to that Middleburg spot, and all of a sudden, there is a friendly local. It's the devil disguised as one of the locals. Hey, man, you look tired. Yeah, it's a hard climb. All the way where we're headed. Where are you headed? We're on our way to holiness, become more like God. And, hey, why don't you just settle down? Look, you're tired, aren't you? Don't you get tired of, you know, people back there in the wagon complaining? Don't you get tired of people saying, you know what, why don't we just pull over? The kids are getting aggravated. It's hard on them. Why don't we just pull? Hey, look, why don't you just camp here for the night and get refreshed? And so we do. We do. Every once in a while, you do need to pull off and get refreshed. But don't put down roots there. The next morning you wake up and you're gonna get packed up and move your family on and says, look man, you guys have been traveling a while. That's a long, hard road through the forest and hills and mountains and all that. Why don't you just stay a little longer? And stay a little longer. And stay a little longer. And after a while, what was a stopping off point for weary travelers is now a town where people stay and where people live. And I just believe tonight that so many of us as Christians, if we're not careful, you're going to get tired of fighting the fight between heathenism and holiness, you're going to get tired of fighting the fight, and right when you're at that weak point, that little red devil sits on your shoulder, He you says, why don't you just take it easy? Why don't you stop? And your kids don't like the direction you're going. They get mad at you. You know, your friends think you're weird, and you know what? Why don't you just camp out here somewhere in between this middle bird? Look, hey, you're not where you were. The devil will encourage you with that. Look! You're not what you used to be And you say, well, that's true Yeah, you're not what you ought to be But you know, you're not where you used to be So, you know, I'm just going to settle down here By the way, you've got a lot of company in Middleburg They've built churches in Middleburg There's a lot of people living in Middleburg There's a lot of people in that lukewarm area And you know why they're there? Because the devil will leave you alone there I'll be honest, there's some times I want to pull up stakes and go plant myself down in Middleburg too you get tired, man. It's, it's difficult. You get complained about, folks, they we're trying to go this way to where God wants us to be. Oh, I don't want to go that way. Can't we just stay here? Enough? Miley, every time we get ready to leave Disney World, can't we just stay one more day? I'm like, do you know how much one more day cost? I mean, you know, do you have a spare kidney somewhere that you could sell on the black market maybe to hang out a few more days? I said, Miley, it's going to cost us a lot. One more day? A ticket now is $125 a day. Hotel's about 220 a night. And that doesn't count all the junk we buy while we're there. I said, Molly, we're talking five, six hundred bucks just for one more day. Wow, it really adds up. And buddy, it sure does at Middleburg, too. And just one more day. You know, we're just one more we're gonna skip one more service. No, it's not that big a deal. We're just gonna, you know. Next thing you know, you've built a home and a family and children in Middleburg, and you've become that lukewarm Christian. And now sin is less significant to you. That's why Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not be weary in well-doing. It's wearisome. He wouldn't have told us not to get weary if you didn't have the temptation to get weary. What was Middleburg? It was a stopping off point for weary travelers. Be careful getting weary and pulling off. For the sake of time, remember Samson tonight. Samson kept going back and forth, back. You know where Samson died? I believe he died in Middleburg. He died there. Going back and forth. Think about Elijah. What did he challenge the people of God? How long halt ye between two opinions? Do you know what Elijah was trying to do? Get up. Get up. Get out of here. You don't want to die here. God despises it here. But if you're not careful, you're going to die. I saw a raccoon the other day. I wanted to stop and take a picture of it so I could show you. This raccoon, it was roadkill, all right? He hadn't made it to the canyon yet, but I'm sure Marcel's going to make his way over there and he'll get packaged before too late. And that raccoon's dead body was laying right across the yellow line in the center of the highway. You know, God can even speak through roadkill. He can. He used a donkey one time, all right? So I believe he can speak through roadkill. Passed up that dead raccoon right there on the road and thought to myself, I wonder how many Christians are going to die like that. Going to die right there in the middle. Never chose a lane. Never got in. Halfway in, halfway out. Halfway on, halfway off. And you die right there being a lukewarm Christian. Why? Because sin was less significant to you. And finally, I'll give you this and we'll close tonight. Verse six, for the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom that was overthrown as in a moment and no hand stayed on her. Finally, I told you Sodom's mentioned 46 times in the word of God. It's used as an example more times than not. He's showing us what? There's consequences to sin. There's always consequences to sin. Always. Always, why? Be not deceived, God is not mocked. There's got to be a consequence to sin. Now, here's what I want you to see. The third part of the character of the uncommitted is simply this. They ignored the examples of sin. One way that you'll know for sure that you're in that lukewarm Middleburg place of a lukewarm Christian, number one, you're going to get to the place to where you wear the name but don't have the nature, the labels not lining up with the lie. The second thing, you become or sin becomes less significant. It's not that big a deal anymore. Everybody says it's okay now. It's, not, it's still big to God. You're getting lukewarm. But finally, here's what you start doing. You're going to do what they did. You start ignoring the examples of sin. Do you know how many times Sodom was mentioned before Lamentations 4? Dozens. So many times in scripture, God repeated what happened to Sodom, what happened to Sodom, what happened to Sodom And even in the New Testament, he mentions Sodom, Jude 1, 7 Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner Giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh Are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of the eternal fire Why is God still, in the second the last book of the Bible, mentioning Sodom? He's showing us look here's an example of what's going to happen if you do what they did And yet here's what we're doing in America even in churches and Christian homes. We're ignoring the examples of sin One of the most wonderful things about God's word that I treasure is the fact that it contains so many records of causes and effects People that were obedient and saw the blessings of God and were used of God people that were disobedient and saw the judgment of God look We are tonight without excuse. We are without excuse. Why? God says, I gave you too many examples, and I gave you an entire book, the book of Lamentations, on what happens when you're not committed to me. And God says, you're without excuse. America, as great as it's been, America that spread the gospel all over the world, America that has intervened in the lives of so many people and has shared the wonderful grace of God is not going to be exempt. Why? Because God says, I gave you too many examples. Now folks tonight here's what we've got to get. A sure sign you're becoming lukewarm is when you begin to live as if you're going to beat the system. That's a sure sign you've become lukewarm. I know that Samson did that and didn't get away with it and David did that and didn't get away with it and no one all these guys got away with that and, but I'm going to be different. No you're not. No you're not. You're this you've gotten into a delusion that you're not going to reap what you sowed, and you better, as soon as possible, get out of that lukewarm place and get on the road to where God's calling you to a greater commitment to him. Why? Because you will suffer the same fate as they did. Why? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Can I ask you something tonight? Are you ignoring examples that God preserved for us in his word, thinking somehow you're going to beat or cheat the system? It's not going to happen. No one's ever beat God at anything. Who do we think we are? To think we can live out of the will of God, not committed to God. We can live as a lukewarm. Look, if he's going to spew that Lady of the Sea in church out, I'll tell you, Central Baptist Church will not be exempt. If we're not fully committed to God, look, I'm not saying perfect. I'm not saying we're not going to make mistakes, but we're on the road to becoming what he's called us to, moving away from what he's called us from. If we get to the place where we think that we're not going to be judged. I hate to tell you something tonight. We're going to follow in the same footsteps as Lamentations 4, 6. Notice real quick, and I'll close, for the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of sin of Sodom that was overthrown as in a moment. And notice this last part, and no hands stayed on her. When God destroyed Sodom, he moved in, shock and awe, boom, and it was over. But the punishment upon God's people that is greater was continual. Not only did they get destroyed, they were carried off captive, and now they're living in the consequences of their state. The hand stayed on them. God says, it's greater. Please don't think for a second tonight that, man, those sodomites, oh, that's just horrible, that's the worst you could get. No, God says, what's horrible is when my people live an uncommitted life to me somewhere lukewarm, that it causes me to vomit and to spit them out of my mouth. Good news is tonight he hasn't come back. Good news is tonight that he wants us to be more committed. But you've got to choose not to be that lukewarm Christian. You've got to choose to be committed. You've got to pick what side you're on. Look, I was preaching to the young people this morning. They had a great spirit, by the way, guys, today in chapel. And I told them the trump of God sounds... You don't have time to get out of this line and get in that line. I don't know exactly how fast a twinkling of an eye is, but I think it's pretty fast. I don't think you're going to have time to become a warm Christian from a... No, I don't think you're going to have time for that pot to boil. But by God's grace, we can make that decision tonight. Can I ask you, are you a lukewarm Christian? Are you a lukewarm Christian? You say, what do you mean? Does your label not match your life? Let's be honest. In God's perspective... Is sin less significant to you today than it was when you got saved? Have you lost some of that fervor? You're becoming lukewarm. And then I wonder tonight if you've gotten to the place where you're ignoring the examples that God's given us of what happens when we live in the way those that God judged did. I pray tonight we'll return to God. Repentance. We'll turn back to God, that he'll find us not living in Middleburg, but on our way to where he's called us, and that's a greater commitment to him. So if our heads bowed and eyes closed,